0: You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in.
1: Y'all give, uh, give it up for our worship team. Every single week, if y'all don't know that, I'm one of the worship leaders here at High Ridge and that amazing worship leader guy is my husband, Chris, Pastor Chris, and I love leading with him every single week. But today I'm super honored to come and bring you the word. So Pastor Tim, okay, we know that he's funny. We know that he is really good at explaining truths in a way that makes sense to people. But what you may not see that I get to see a lot is I get to see his deep devotion to the Lord and his deep commitment to you and to his leadership team. He develops leaders so that we can all walk in all that God has for us. And like yes. I'm, I'm a result of that. So I love him dearly. I'm so grateful. I'm really sad that he's not here today, but I'm, I'm, I'm honored that he trusted me. to to come and speak to you guys. So not only that, but we have incredible, more pastors and staff here. Guys, we spend our days being creative and getting excited and praying about how to encourage you, how to equip you, how to celebrate you, and how to do this thing called life with you, so our pastors and staff are just absolutely incredible. I feel so, cu- in fact, they're also kinda like my hype squad all week, they've been texting me, you're gonna kill it, you're doing so good, I'm so proud of you, so I'm just, y'all give it up for our pastors and staff at Irish. They love you very, very much. All right, today the title of my message is The Long Game. We're gonna open up to Revelation 2 is where we're gonna get started, and let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for who you are, that you are faithful, that you are present, and that you are ready to help us along this journey in this long game that we have. Lord, I pray that you would take my words, that you would purify them. I offer myself to you today, God, to be an encouragement to these people. Would your will be done and your kingdom come, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, okay, guys, life of Jesus. This ain't no 200 meter dash. This is not a couch to 5K. And we knock it off our checklist, right? There's a lot more twists and turns. There's a lot more hills and valleys than I ever thought was gonna be happening. This is a marathon, not a sprint, right? So the problem with the long game is it's really long. Like, way longer than my natural inclination is to stay engaged and, 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 and on this race, right? I'll get up, a, get up a really hard hill and be like, woo, that almost killed me, we made it. And I'm like, oh shoot, we're still going. <laughs> we gotta got keep on going, right? The finish line is when we see Jesus face to face at the end of our life. So the question that it leads me to, the question that I have of myself is, do I have what it takes? am I gonna be able to make it to the end? Fully confident in God's goodness for me, trusting him, following him, loving him, and serving him. I have good news for you. Jesus promises that you have what it takes to make it to the end. With his strength, with his power, with his spirit, like we talked about today in worship, you have everything that you need to finish this race strong. But on the other side of it, we have an enemy of our soul who is determined to convince you that you do not have what it takes. So we're gonna talk about three times in our life. I don't mean singular times, I mean three situations because it's like monthly for me, you know? Uh, Three times that we're tempted to give up on the long game. Number one, when we get off track. So I started doing CrossFit last fall. And I love it. It's like so intense and hardcore. And if you know anything about me, I just love anything that's intense and hardcore. But it's heavyweights, it's gymnastic moves, it's cardio, sometimes all at the same time. It's very effective and it's very challenging. And I love it. But one thing that I learned really, really quickly because it's so challenging, that form is everything. So my coaches, I, I got going, I'm getting excited. I wanna start adding on weights to my squats you know, because I wanna get there. I wanna be hanging with the other people. And I start recognizing with the help of my coaches that I'm not going far down enough in my squat and my knee goes in when I am down there, when I'm coming back up. The reason why they're correcting my form is not just to make me feel bad, Right? They're doing it because they know they wanna set me up for success so that I can go heavier and heavier. Not only that, but not just hit a one rep max one time. They wanna see me strong and healthy for the rest of my life. They wanna see me coming to CrossFit for the rest of my life, right? They're setting me up for success by correcting that form. When we get off track, when we find that there's bad form, when we realize that there's something in our life as we're following Jesus that's not following his way, it can cause injury and it can cause burnout. Okay, number two, another time we get tempted to quit is when we stop loving it. So training for a marathon, you've gotta be tracking nutrition, You've gotta be logging the miles. You've gotta be paying attention to your hydration. You've gotta be making sure you get all the sleep that you need. What happens when halfway through your training, you realize in the middle of a run that you hate it? Like what's the point, right? Like why in the world would I be putting myself through all of this if there's not some type of joy and fulfillment that's coming from it? Restrictions and discipline will feel like punishment if you don't have love. Number three, we're tempted to quit when we're discouraged. I was talking to my mom the other day about running, about marathons, all that stuff. And you know what, when, we're, when, when there is a runner who has done all the training, they are in the race, they are fired up, they got the pep talk, they got the shirt beforehand, they put it on, they're going, they're running on their race, right? They're into it. But the statistics on how many people quit right before the finish line, right before the finish line is insane. Sometimes it's because they can't, they're not quite sure where the finish line is. And I just thought to myself, they just need one person, whether it's a runner that knows the route or someone on the sideline or someone yelling from the finish line, do not quit, you are right at the finish line. That moment, they've done everything right they just need that last push, right? They just need that last encouragement to know they're on the right track. Feeling like you're tired doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. It's just not time to quit, right? All right, three times. So in the Bible, I, wanna, I want you guys to go to Revelation two. Jesus has encouragement for you in this long game. I wanna set this up for you. The book of Revelation is really cool. It's really like wild. Jesus, this is after Jesus has died, rose from the dead, went back to heaven, hit one of his best friends, John, the beloved disciple, is living out the very end of his life in exile on an island. And Jesus comes to him in a vision. And the second part of Revelation is like end of the age, all that kind of cool, wacky stuff that you need someone way more qualified than me (laughs) to break down for you. But before that, he gives these seven letters to John. He dictates them to him. And he says, I want you to give these letters to these seven churches in Asia Minor. These churches are the future. They're you in seed form, right? These seven churches have seven different identities and Jesus has identification, encouragement, and correction for them. And I, wanna, I, want, you to, I want you to recognize this before we get any farther that as Jesus is telling them the things that they need to fix and the things that they need to adjust, do not hear a self-satisfied Jesus who's so excited that he gets to tell them how they've screwed up and why they're disqualified. That's not what's happening. He's giving them corrections to set them up for victory. That's what he's doing. Okay. So as we move into this, our first city, our first church is the church in Pergamum. I'm going to read you the descriptor, what Jesus says about them, and then we'll, we'll get into it. For, uh, chapter two, verse 13 says, I know where you live. He's talking to the church. I know where you live where Satan sits enthroned, yet you still cling faithfully to the power of my name. You did not deny your faith in me even in the days of my faithful martyr Antipas who was executed in your city where Satan lives. What he's saying is you guys live in that cray cray city where there's some (laughs) wild stuff going on, right? You're living in a city where there's a very, very strong culture that is absolutely opposed to everything that I teach and you've been loyal and you've been faithful and I'm so proud of you. Even when your friend got killed, you stood strong. And then he has some correction. He's like, they, they are loyal to him, but this church is fighting this draw to hold on to their old ways. Remember this too. This, this, um, this church, these people in that church, this city, this was a part of the, this was the fabric of their culture where all of these temples to these Greek gods, this was the place where everybody would travel to come and to worship these different gods. And you basically worshiped whoever you needed favor and blessing from right? So if you needed a good crop, you'd go to the temple with the God of the harvest and you'd bring your offering. If you wanted to have a family, you'd go to the goddess of fertility. And these rituals, they would participate in them, would range from everything from bringing your offering to performing sexual acts with temple prostitutes to even bloodshed and killing and hurting people and all of those things. This was a part of their culture. It was not shocking to them. It's what they were raised in. What was new was Jesus, was the way of Jesus, was trusting him for everything, for trusting that he could bring blessing and provision and guidance and hope instead of these. So don't picture these, they're all scared of the culture. No, this is like, this is just how they were raised. And what they were struggling with was, can, do we let go of those ways and put all of our confidence in Jesus? Or do we smooth things over in our, you know, in our community, my business is gonna go better if I see that person at that temple. You know, like my connections with the people around, them, it's, gonna, it's gonna be smoother. I'm not gonna necessarily have to face what Antipas had to go through. And so Jesus is saying, he's saying, hey, let's correct this form really, really quick. If you wanna follow me, you're gonna have to do it my way. This is gonna hurt you in the long run if you keep going your own way and doing this. Remember that he's not doing it to disqualify them. Think long term here. This church is the baby church that's gonna change the world. He's not even correcting them just to make them be perfect. He's correcting them because he understands the influence that they will have. And he even says when he says, you need to, in verse 16 he says, so repent then or I will come quickly to war against them with the sword of my mouth. He's saying, listen, Let's correct this now so I don't have to correct you in front of everyone so we don't cause confusion on what I'm asking the church to do. Does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? That he's saying, I wanna fix this now because your influence is too important in this world. When he comes and he says, hey, we're a little off track in this situation, be encouraged, he's he's setting you up for victory and he's setting you up for influence. So what do we do when we realize that we're off track? Well, first of all, guys, Psalm 25, eight through nine says, the Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. That is a promise to believers that he will show you the proper path. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. Number one, let's just normalize the fact that we go astray, Okay, like we're gonna mess up. We're currently messing up. What we have to do is stop letting that be so painful to us, right? It's only—it's painful, so painful to us because we've fed our pride for so long and I had to admit and say, oh, wow, that was really selfish of me. I'm really sorry, Chris, that I just blew past you when you were being sweet to me and asking me a question to help. Um, please forgive me. I'm sorry, right? Let's not defend the fact that we didn't do anything. Like that's just life. We're gonna be continually correcting and letting God correct us. Number two, it says repent. Repent is really simple. It's just stop what you're doing, turn back to Jesus, and do whatever he tells you to do. That's it. That's all it is. It's just turning. Be encouraged if he's correcting you like any good coach. He's gonna correct the ones he sees potential in, right? It's time to start equating correction with love. All right. Number two, when we lose the love for it, there was a church, the church in Ephesus, and they were absolutely so cool. This is what he had to say about them. He said, They work hard. They patiently endure challenges. They don't tolerate evil. And they're testing teachers who come in to make sure that their words are gonna be right. These were the guys, they got it, right? The church in Pergamum, they were wilding out over there. Ephesus had it figured out, right? They were like, we're not gonna mess around with with messing up and doing crazy stuff. They remind me of like a really trustworthy firstborn who are ready to take on the responsibility of doing something just right. My sister, Laura, is very good at that. She was very good at helping me know when I didn't do something quite right. <laughs> very helpful, very helpful. But here's, here's the thing, here's what he wanted to encourage this church in. They were very faithful. But he said in Revelation two, verse four, I have this against you, you have abandoned the passionate love that you had for me at the beginning. This is what he's saying to them. Guys, he, they were checking all the boxes that he needed them to check, but he still wasn't satisfied. He did not want them doing that without love. Your portion, your inheritance, what God has for you as a believer is not to be living a life of joyless disciplines and restrictions. I hope that that's an encouragement to you. It will not be enough to get you across the finish line just doing things perfectly. The fuel is God's love. It's not even your love, guys, it's God's love. It's God's love for you. That was what he wanted, that's what he wanted to remind them of. In verse five, he had the direction, the what to do once they realized, oh, well, no, we've we've lost our love. He said in verse five, think about how far you've fallen Repent and do the works of love you did at first. Think about how far you've fallen. In one of the translations it says, remember the heights from which you've fallen. Remember the tone here, okay? This is not Jesus saying, look at how far you've fallen. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, you remember the heights? You remember what it felt like at the beginning? Remember when you received my love for the first time? when you experience peace and a peaceful sleep after nights of anxiety, you remember that? He's not causing shame, he's making them remember the beginning. That's what he wants. That's the fuel that keeps us going. When you remember what you've been brought from, when you remember how much God loves you, that's what carries us through those long stretches of challenge. That's what worship's for, Let's, let's just get practical. That's what worship is for for our, our time, our every single week here on Sunday. But you can turn on Spotify. God made Spotify for our, my kitchen so we can worship in the middle of my week, right? So I can remember in the middle of my struggle, in the middle of my challenge, how much God loves me. And I, I get excited about this because I like to write songs and I, like, I love to worship. But guys, we're gonna be writing new songs for the rest of eternity about the same story, He saw us, he came, he became a man. He met us where we were at and he saved our skin, right? (laughs) So the first thing is remember why you started. If you realize that you've lost the love, if you realize that you're serving or you're giving or you're praying your quiet time, if it feels dry, just go back and remember why you started. Let gratefulness get that love flowing. And number two he said, go back and do the works of love you did at the beginning. <clears throat> Have you guys ever heard somebody talk about their marriage, how if it slowly fell apart, they'll say things like, we just didn't do the little things anymore? Go back and do the works of love. Do the little things every day. Now, okay, in the marriage, in the marriage long game, we're not talking about the dating game. Dating game's a whole nother show, right? <laughs> You're putting on your best dress, you're taking them to a fancy restaurant that you can't afford. You're, you're doing all the stuff to put up, to, to let them know that you're gonna be a good, right? That you're, you're the right person. In the marriage game, a fancy dinner doesn't fix anything. Have you ever been to a fancy dinner when y'all are in the middle of working out something that's really important? What a waste. I'm like, do not take me to this. That is a waste of 50 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever. If you're in the middle of something, that's not what fixes the problem. Passionate love in marriage is lost or cultivated in the little things. It's by not diminishing the power of every single day. So my husband, Pastor Chris, is such a good example of this. So good, it makes me look bad. And I'll, but also, I'll say this to you, and like for real, he really is that much better at it than I am. But instead of letting it make me feel bad, I've let it lead me into a better better understanding. He like sets up the coffee maker every single night and programs it so that when I wake up very early for CrossFit, I don't have to go without coffee. And sometimes he leaves notes and says, good job for waking up. I'm not gonna do it, but you're doing an awesome job. (laughs) He, He says things like that. And when I ask him little things like, Chris, can you come stir this pot for me while I go do this? Or Chris, can you help me get Atticus's socks on? Or he's just so present. You know, he's just so connected, and he's so quick to just jump in and help. And he's such a good leader in that way. It was me who had to learn. Like a couple years into our marriage, I'm like, why is why am I so frustrated all the time? I realized, you know, um, this is free, by the way. (laughs) Manners and courtesy and kindness are not just for strangers. It really, really makes your home a beautiful place when you learn how to use manners with each other. It reminded me to not take for granted and to start paying attention to all the sweet things that he does. Those were the, that's where I recognized, oh, this is how, this is how you can lose love for the most precious man in the world, just by taking things for granted and saying, I'll save it for the birthday celebration. I'll save it for the, you know, I'll save it for Valentine's Day. No, no, we take advantage every single day to do those small things. In our walk with God, you don't necessarily need a conference or a big night of worship if you're struggling with the daily love of what God's called you into. What he wants from you is much smaller and it's much more consistent. It's every morning greeting the Lord. Good morning, God, what do you want from me? What do you wanna speak to me? Thank you, right, starting with worship. Doing things like, when he asks for the little things, don't diminish them and say, oh, I'll do that later. Things like, hey, spend five more minutes with me. Or, can you help me encourage this person today? Or, can you let that person off the hook? I know they said something salty, but. Those are the little things that God asks us to do. And they seem so insignificant, and it seems like something you can just, just put off. But if you will take advantage of every single moment, that's the faith steps we're talking about. Yeah. Every, why do you think we say, what's your next step? What's your next step? Because a lifetime of little daily steps equals an entire journey with God. Yeah. Like you'll look back over a course of, a, I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you now. If you say, okay, every day I'm just gonna say, God, is there a step you want me to take? Start that, and then six weeks later, not to mention five years, but just six weeks later, look back and see what God has done. Just six weeks of just saying, whatever whatever you want me to do today. Be encouraged, church. Joyless discipline and restrictive behaviors are not your inheritance as a believer. Being fueled by the love of God to do all that God has called you to do is the greatest joy and privilege of a believer's life. That's the life that he has for you. Okay, the last church, the last thing I wanna encourage you guys, and when you are discouraged, when you are discouraged, this church, the church in Philadelphia, guys, they were like the sweetest, most faithful. They, they held on tight. It says, in the, it says in the letter that they had little strength, but you obeyed my word and you did not deny me. It made me think of like Rudy. I was like, okay, God's kind of like, you know, like he wasn't even that good at football. Like he wasn't even that good but he just hung on for dear life and like kept on coming back and kept on coming back. That's what he was saying about this church in Philadelphia. They just wouldn't let go. They just wouldn't quit loving. They wouldn't quit serving. They wouldn't quit believing. They wouldn't quit being faithful to God and all that he had for them. And he had only one thing to say to them. In Revelation 3.11, he said, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. He just said, you are right there. You are on the right track. Do not quit now, keep on going. There are some people in this church that I know, there are some people that are walking through some things. You have just been faithful. And I'm not talking about perfect. I'm not talking about checking all the boxes. I'm talking about humble and teachable and learning and continuing to let God take you into all that God has for you. You've been believing and you've been trusting God for your finances and you've been asking God to touch your marriage and bring restoration. You've been letting God heal you and to that, God says, keep on going, do not quit, hold on to what you have. If you don't quit, you win. Okay? If you don't quit, you win. And I wanna finish off with this description of Jesus that was actually right before the letters that he gave. He came to John. And in the Gospels, you know, we don't really hear much about what Jesus looks like. We just know he wasn't much to look at as kind of how they described him, that he wasn't any type of special handsomeness. But in Revelation, there's a very clear description of Jesus, and I wanna read this to you. I want, to pick, I want you to picture this as you remember the encouragements that he's given these churches. <clears throat> when I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, I saw seven golden lampstands and walking among the lampstands, I saw someone like a son of man wearing a full length robe with a golden sash over his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, white as glistening snow. His eyes were like flames of fire his feet were gleaming like bright metal, as though they were glowing in a fire. And his voice was like the roar of many rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. And his face was shining like the brightness of the sun. When I saw him, I fell down at his feet as good as dead. John's response to all of that power and all of that strength and all of that love, he couldn't take it. But instead of Jesus saying, yeah, look at me, the next thing that it says is, he laid his right hand on me. And I heard his reassuring voice saying, don't yield to fear. I am the beginning and I am the end the living one. I was dead, but now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys that unlock death and the unseen world. If there's anybody who knows the end of the story and understands what you're capable of, it's Jesus in this scripture. He looks at you and he sees victory. You have what it takes. The last promise I wanna remind you of were the last words that Jesus said before he left this earth and went back to heaven. He gave us the long game. He gave us the game plan and a promise. In Matthew 28, 19 through 20, he said, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you Always, to the very end of the age. He is the finish line, he is the prize and he is present with you now. Be encouraged church, do not give up. You have joy for the journey, you have strength for the journey, you've got everything that you need to finish this walk with strength and with victory. That's what I have for you today, I wanna thank you so much for letting me come and share and I'd like for Bill to come. And finish us off
2: today. Thank you, Julie. Wasn't that good? Such a timely, timely word for for all of us. In fact, I'd like us to just take a moment, if you would, and just bow your head, close your eyes, and ask the Lord, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Those of you watching online, ask that question. Lord, what are you saying to me? Where am I on this long, this long game? Where am I? Lord, I just pray this morning for everyone in this room, those who will be watching online at another time and those who are with us right now. I pray that If people are discouraged that they would find encouragement in you lord that they would hold on they would hear your promise that you're always with us lord i pray that any of us who may be a little off track today will see that ability to stop and to turn and that To repent is good news. It's our bridge back to you. It fixes it. Lord, we thank you that you've given us that grace to repent. Lord, I pray also that this morning some of us would just keep doing those little things, being faithful in the small things, and let that kindle a fresh and new love for you. We're so grateful. We're so grateful. Maybe you're here or watching us online today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus. You can, and we'd like to give you that opportunity today. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and say, Bill, I don't have a relationship with the Lord, but I want one. I want to know that kind of relationship with God. Then I want to ask you just to pray this simple prayer after me. You can do it out loud or in your head. What matters is that you believe it in your heart. He just goes like this, Lord Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are, that you are the son of God, that you came to this world, you lived a perfect life, you died on a cross and rose again so that I could have relationship with you. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Save me. And I will follow you and serve you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name. Now with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer with me just now, would you just look up at me? Just look up at me if you prayed that prayer, thank you. Good for you, proud of you, proud of you. We wanna be able to help you take your next steps. We have some material, some videos we'd like to get in your hand that will tell you what your next step is. This was your first step, great step, but there are more to come. And we wanna help you out with that. And the best way for us to do that is if you would just simply text Uh, text us. Text simply this, I prayed, all one word, to 844-HRC-TEXT. If you'll do that, we'll be able to get that uh, resource to you, and uh, we know that it's going to benefit you. We're so proud of you, so excited. High Ridge family, would you stand? So good that you're here in church today. So good to have you in the house. Can we give Julie another A round of applause and gratefulness. I do want to remind you as we're getting ready to go, especially to the dads, uh, and this is for dads anywhere around that want to come to this. It's not just a High Ridge thing. This is for all dads. We've got a daddy-daughter dance coming up February 26th. It's going to be at Wild Acres. You can go out to highridgelv.com slash events to get your tickets. It's $25 per family. That means if you have one daughter, two daughters, $3, four, they were guessing earlier in the service, how many daughters am I going to name there? It doesn't matter how many daughters you're going to bring. It's $25 for a family. I know you will enjoy it. I know you will be blessed by it. And uh, you be sure and invite folks. Don't wait till the last minute. Go ahead and get it done. Dads, Get do it. Get it done. You you can do this, I know you can. Uh, We're also gonna invite our elders and their wives to the front. We wanna make sure anyone who wants prayer or needs prayer for anything, we wanna make that available to you here today. Let me speak a blessing and dismiss you. Father, I thank you so much for every family, every individual and household represented here and online. We speak a blessing today. Thank you that we could come together, hear your word, be encouraged, and I pray a blessing as we go out in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great afternoon.
0: Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you wanna be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at High Ridge LV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.